Welcome to the third session of One for the Lord, Singles Bible Study. Tonight we're going to look at the subject entitled, The Snaring of Comparing, as it relates to singles. I don't want any single person to feel picked on. This is an issue with married couples as well. My son today was telling me he was listening to a podcast by Brady Boyd from New Life Church in Colorado Springs, and it was on how to avoid having an affair. One of the things that Brady shares in that sermon was to avoid comparing your marriage or your spouse or yourself with others, because that is usually involved in someone falling into an affair, yielding to the sin of comparisons. Greg Harrell, him and his wife Marietta, are leading the marriage seminar just a few yards away right here in this very building. In their very first session, involved three keys to a successful marriage, and one of those keys was to avoid comparisons. So it's not just an issue that single people wrestle with, but it's something that we all must struggle with. In our text today, Paul is dealing with people who are being critical of him. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 7, he said, Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ's, let him also consider this in himself, that just as he belongs to Christ, even so we belong to Christ. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification or building up others, and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you, by letters. He's writing these strong letters to them and he's not wanting to scare them. He's using his authority to build them up. And then he quotes something in verse 10 that someone has said in this congregation that was skeptical of Paul. Quote, for his letters, they say, quote, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Unquote. So they're, they're making fun of the way he speaks as well as his bodily presence. Now, before Paul got saved, his name was Saul. Saul was the name of their first king. He's a very large man from a small tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. And the Bible says that Saul was a head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the kingdom. Well, I don't think that was the case of Paul. The name Paul means little or small. And it could be that as he became a believer and submitted to this name change that he just humbled himself and said, hey, I'm small, I'm not big, and this is my name, Paul. I don't know why he changed his name, but obviously he was small and he chose the name Paul. And so these people are somehow trying to downplay his authority by the character of his voice and his physical presence. So verse 11, Paul stands up and says, Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when we are absent, which of course was very strong, such we will also be indeed when we are present. So I'm writing some strong letters to you guys, and when I'm there in present, when I'm present, I'm also going to be strong. Verse 12, for we dare not class ourselves 
or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So what he's saying is, I'm a man of God, and I'm not going to try to defend myself by comparing myself to others, which obviously my detractors, for some reason, are doing this, and they think they've got the better of me. Verse 12 in the English Standard Version says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. The New Living Translation says, how ignorant. This is not a wise thing to do, which is what we're going to be speaking about tonight. Verse 13, we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. So he's not going to boast beyond the limits of the sphere which God has given him. He's a pastor, he's a church planter, he's an apostle, he's their spiritual leader, and he's going to exercise his authority as their leader without comparing himself to other leaders or comparing himself to his detractors and saying, hey, they ain't got it so hot, I'm better than them here, better than them there. No, he's just claiming, hey, you guys are in my sphere, I planted this church, you're in my sphere of authority, you know, it's not a big deal for me to come in and exercise my authority. As a boy growing up, my mother raised four kids. We were born within four years and I think two and a half weeks from my birth to the youngest, the fourth born child. I was four years old for 18 days and then the youngest child was born. And so she carried great authority and she would say, hey, you guys will not sass me. I am your mother. And she would lay down correction when we needed it. And we would line up with her because we knew she was our mother. We were in her sphere of authority. Now, she wouldn't do that with the neighbor's kids or church kids or people down the road because those people were not within her sphere of authority. So here in this text, Paul is addressing this congregation because they are in his sphere of authority. Verse 13, he said in the English Standard Version, he says, But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. The New Living Translation relates it as follows. We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes you. So his detractors, his naysayers, his critics were outside their sphere of authority, basically, is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, guys, I'm writing you these letters because I have authority to do it. We have a relationship. You're in my sphere. I'm not playing the comparison game. I'm just being who God called me to be, and I'm exercising the authority that I'm given. Verse 14, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. Alright? I'm not getting too big for my britches. It was you guys are the ones I brought the gospel to. Not boasting of things beyond measure that is in another man's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. 
to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But verse 17, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Verse 18, for not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Now, how does this apply to us? Sometimes we come under attack. We, we may get somebody's Christmas letter and suddenly they're, you know, they're testifying, they're testifying of the goodness of the Lord and suddenly your self-esteem goes in the trash, <laughs> you know. And uh, I remember Jeff Ferris a few years ago wrote a humorous Christmas letter, you know. Uh, my daughter ran a marathon and won the Olympics, and my dog won number one dog of the nation. I mean, he just, he, just, he just made everything so out of proportion. It was obvious none of it was true, but he was making a point of humor. Uh, sometimes those, those brags can, can make you look at yourself and think, oh, my goodness, my life doesn't matter like I thought it would. I didn't think I would be here when I, w- when I graduated from high school. And so I think the point for us to take here is just as Paul focused on his assignment, the assignment God had for him, so we must focus on our assignment. Man our battle stations. Uh, Comparing ourselves to others can trap us. And I've listed several traps here, and I want you to join in and add to this list. Um, so I'll get us started here. Compare ourselves to others can trap us with wrong vision. Uh, cause us not to see things the way they really are. The grass is always greener. The myth of greener grass. Absolutely. And that has destroyed many a marriage. And you know where that myth comes from is if you have a cow... Grazing in the field, many times the cow will stick his neck, her neck through the fence to eat grass on the other side of the fence. Meanwhile, there's grass right there, straining. And so, that's where that came from. Though, that that's where it comes from. The myth of greener grass. You you think it's better over there. It's always better someplace yeah. else. Some horses too will stick their necks through that yeah. fence, reaching for that yeah. grass. So there's all this stuff in their field. Right. And a bull will just go through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Proverbs says, the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth, but a wise man has his eyes in his head. When we compare ourselves, we'll compare others, and it'll affect our vision as parents. You know, as parents, we want to have a vision that our kids grow up to be what, what God called them to be. And if we play the comparison game, we'll try to use comparison to motivate them. Why can't you get good grades like your, <laughs> why can't you be like your sister or like your brother? And even though it, the, the, the motivation is noble to get the kid to bucket up and become all that they can be, it oftentimes has a reverse effect. Kid, you know, develops feelings of worthlessness. Um, Comparing ourselves to others can trap us in misplaced priorities. We're concerned with the Joneses and not the Jesus. Um, You can't keep up with the Joneses. Read the phone book. There's too many of them. Impossible. Uh, comparing, Comparing ourselves with others can trap us with the green of envy. Um... 
I was I was reading one of those Christmas letters <laughs> that I get, and this one was from a peer of mine, someone I've known for years, Robert Morris at Gateway Church. And it's always full of wonderful things that happen, and man, it's just amazing. Gateway's amazing, absolutely amazing. And I'm able to relate to him at a level that I'm happy for him and not, not thinking of me in any way. But this particular one got to me. And he shared of a three-month-long um, sabbatical that he took. And I had read previous Christmas letters. I knew this was his second one. <laughs> and this sabbatical was just to spend time with God and his family and do whatever he wanted. Paid. Three months. So <laughs> I was filled... <clears throat> You know, I could read about the president doing that. You know, if the president did that, it wouldn't bother me. But someone you know, I was filled with envy, and I knew I had a problem. And I went and prayed and let the Lord deal with my heart, and a sermon came out of, about it out of envy. And the Lord showed me, yeah, yes, yes, you can't take a three-month thing. It wouldn't be practical at this point in your life. But you, you're not doing what you can do. You can take a sabbatical from preaching. <laughs> so that summer, I went eight weeks without preaching. And it didn't hurt the church a bit. And so, um, yeah, so when you compare yourselves with others, just just traps you. It can lure you into the lure of competition. Give you impure motivation where you get excited about the wrong things, you know, um, I met with a pastor today, and he was brag. Poor guy was bragging about his Facebook page for his church got more likes than any other church in Hood County. <laughs> it's like, Lord, I was happy for him, but but Facebook is pretty shallow. I mean, this is not. Yeah, poor guy, poor guy. Can I say my comment? Now? Yes. Pastor has, and I commend, I've used his joke several times, but on Sunday he used his joke, his Facebook joke again. And okay. About the, the funeral. Oh, yeah. You can ask him, he'll be happy to tell it, which I love. I love it. Um, but I think you need to add to it. And it isn't just the Christmas letter, but it's the constant dinging of your phone. When you look down and you've got Facebook on your smartphone, and it's that constant Christmas letter. I'm on the beaches of Hawaii. I've got this brand new job. I've got, and it's, Facebook is constantly in your face with these, not only look at the kitten and look at the this and the that and, and wow. political commentary and whatever, but it's the constant, it's the constant so, people, look what I've done, look at my accomplishments, look at, and then you're sitting there going, oh my, and there, there was a joke. This, this, I can't remember who, if it was a gateway this past Sunday or if at the membership class. And imagine if God said, "Oh myself," and I just, I, I crack at that. You know, people use the comments, "Oh my God," if God was that, goes, "Oh my God," OMS, oh myself, OMS, yeah. oh myself, yeah, yeah. But, but what? That's that, so that true. This, this whole thing of, of people. Companion Rush Limbaugh made a comment like, "If you lived your life only with Facebook, you would be the most depressed person on earth because everybody's on there going, look at my trip, look where I've been, look at this.' And it's turned. And Facebook has a very valid purpose, 
but it's turned a corner where it's almost because no. it's allowing people. People don't use this to communicate anymore like this. They use it to read text messages or to read Facebook messages, and, and no. it can be very dangerous. Yeah, you got to, if it gets to you, man, do something to the, so it's not pinging you, maybe. Um, but yeah, as people's lives become more public, this this is an issue. Uh, let me just say this in terms of Facebook, it's really not wise to post updates when you're on vacation. <laughs> this is letting burglars know your home is vacant. Yeah, post, post the good news at, like good news like that. Out on 377. I've left for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Two things. One is, you know, the word that comes that I, I'm hit with when you when you're talking about Facebook on your phone is onslaught. It's just this constant onslaught of information that what you know to me. What purpose does it serve? It's it's your communication device, you know. Well, I think. I love hearing the good news. But some, I was telling a friend of mine. And, uh, I'm doing the laundry. The day, but it's just it's like I because I am going through a, this has been the fifth year of a. I'm not suicidal, but I understand why people do it that way because it's just like I've had enough and. And it was so cool today. I was a little bit late because we went to see, and I, I'm getting ready to give my little speech here, but you've got to go see Heaven is for Real. Yeah. Went to yeah. see it today, and we were at Casa, Taco Casa, and talk about divine appointment. My mom said, let's go to, t- I want to try this Taco Casa. So we stopped at Taco Casa, and I came on here. But right before, the lady that was in line ahead of us, and we ended up ordering the same thing she ordered, and, and, and I just asked her, I said, touched her on the shoulder, and I said, y'all, have you, y'all to take, go take your family to go see Heaven is for Real, and she said, well, that, and she said, I've read the book, and, and then she went into, I'm going through a real trial right now, mm-hmm. and she shared about a child, at, a grandchild at St. Jude's, mm-hmm. and another situation, and, and it's like, you know, these divine appointments, mm-hmm. um, I don't know why I'm saying this. Opportunities to minister. Opportunities just to just mm-hmm. to speak life, and so even when our oh yeah, even when we're going through trials and darkness and struggles, um, if no. we're paying attention <laughs> to what no. to what's around and where we can we can breathe life, and just the simple mm-hmm. fact of of saying hey, you ought to go see this or read this book or whatever. Who knows what it's going to open up from the other end, where yeah. somebody says yes, I agree. Now, and then they, they tell you their story. She didn't, and I said, and then about three minutes later, I said, well, let's pray together. So saying, she probably, she's like, oh, okay. That's but good. just right there in the restaurant, just with my That's eyes good. open. Yeah. And just asked her, was praying that she would name the names of the people, because I couldn't remember at the time, but just, just yeah. living in that, that moment. Yeah. So here, and going back to your whole thing of comparing if if we just live our life with what's going on with all of our friends or our Facebook friends, we'll never miss met. out on opportunities. To about then we get in our our funks of well, I'm not doing what they're doing, or or um, I've got to go to my I have a high school reunion coming up. Am I going to go? 
type thing. I don't want to see yeah. these people. I don't want to see whatever. And you're just thinking, woe is me. And and then Facebook makes it worse. But if we, but if we're, but we're, if we're in tune with what's going on and using the the things of the day that are relevant, whether it's Son of God or or um, if you happen to have seen, which I won't see, the abominable Noah that came out, but just saying, well, have you read this real story about, and then just turning turning these popular... Conversation starters. Yeah. Popular conversation starters into times of ministry. Yeah, yeah. I really think the comparing game, if it traps you, it neutralizes you. You'll miss out on opportunities to encourage someone. It'll trap you. You know, if if everything is going fine in somebody's life, how's it going? Yeah, fine. Okay, that's it. But if they're, oh, we're on a six-month cruise, you know, that can almost turn into boasting. But they're excited, they want to share, and they open up. But 30 years ago, Christ the Nations, we used to say the two biggest lies in the church were, I am fine, is number one. And number two is, I'll pray for you. <laughs> you know, that's why it's good to say, can we pray right now? Yeah, don't trust yourself. And that's what I did. I, I told him, I'll pray for you. And it's like the Holy Spirit just you said, do it right now. Yeah, let's do it right now. And, and I just walked right in. I would have. That's a good. And we'll, but just by, just by doing it right that's, on the spot, yeah. you never know what. Yeah, that's a good testimony. Uh, another thing comparing can do, it can give you an incorrect perspective. We don't see 2020 about everything, 360 degrees. We don't know the whole story about everybody. We don't know. But we assume, yeah, we assume that, you know, we focus on our bad and we assume that theirs is all good. It's not true. We're, we're not in their shoes and, you know, um, it can trap us with the distraction of inferiority. Which causes you to struggle and fight battles that aren't even there. We have um, a speaker, and I don't know if it was, I don't know where I heard this, but recently he said he lives his life, he's either starting a trial, going through a trial, or ending a trial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's starting one, and then he ends one, and then he goes back into one, and so you never really know what people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to the opening night of our women's conference, Abiding in the Vine. Deborah Oakley did a, just a phenomenal job. And that, that night she showed a video clip from a Dove commercial project. And it was an artist that's able to draw people just by hearing verbal. I don't know if this artist worked for the police or what. But they would ha- he'd sit behind a screen, not be able to see the person, and a woman would come in and describe herself to him. Was it a man artist? Yeah. Yeah, she would describe herself to him, and he would draw her, just like, and then, and then you would see her, and you'd see the picture, and it looked kind of like her. Then they would have somebody that had visited with her for an hour or so, or something like that. And that person would go in. Describe the same person. Describe the same person. That person would draw what she described. And that painting or, or sketch was so much better looking than the one that that women describe themselves. And uh, it could be. It probably is. Probably is. Just phenomenal. 
but it, it was like a visual. It was just powerful of the lies people believe about themselves. Meaning that the, the person had a lower self-esteem. Right. Yes. Yeah, and they describe themselves as a protruding chin when they didn't have a protruding, right. you know. This described themselves with features that were exaggerated. Oh, so and yeah, inferiority, coming from comparing themselves. Like, <coughs> yeah, comparing themselves to others, you come up with this, and it ain't nothing but a distraction from the enemy to immobilize us. I don't know where it was, but you know when you're, you're on a, a Yahoo News site or a Google site, in their, or you're in one site, and at the bottom it has either trending stories or whatnot, but there was a little... The little click, it talked about the, the male Barbie, the human male Barbie, no, the that. human just, Ken, yeah. and then talked about satisfied with the human And it's a kid, it's a guy woman. out of, he's an American, mm-hmm. and he's at 140, no, it's now up to 190-some oh, plastic surgery thing. But, oh, yeah. but he's turned him, trying to turn himself into this perfect yeah. Ken. The perfect Ken doll, yeah, um, the human. All the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. well, I thought, the Barbie death, but the whole point, you know, you know here he's you know. from eight to his goal at eight at in a youth, probably in a, in a youth year was to be this have this perfect image. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, what a what a tragedy that that is your life is. Yeah. Botox, that's a Botox, that's a Botox. Yeah. Um, well, because God made us. We were wonderfully and carefully made. Yeah. Yeah, no two He knew us before you began Earth's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You start thinking about that, yeah. and it's like, I'm well, sorry, God, I didn't yeah. want to change it. Yeah. Well, com- compare ourselves with uh, others can create obsessions about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I don't think God wants us to be that. He doesn't want us to have low self-esteem, but he doesn't want us to be obsessed with our esteem. Um, that's, that can lead to pride. Uh, comparing ourselves to others can create disobedience to Jesus' lordship. We'll block out his voice. Oh, I can't do that. I don't have that ability. You know. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna pray with this lady right now. People think I'm weird. I already know I'm a weirdo, and you know. Just, you know what I mean? It'll just do it. I mean, I've got a degree in this, I think. Um, compare. But how do you feel, Pastor, as, or even whether it's a small church or a big church, and people are sitting, people are sitting in the congregation, the congregants are sitting there going, if I stand up, everybody's going to look at me and they're going to know that I have all this issue. And you know that 100% of the congregation is all thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people that need to be standing up and go for for salvation or healing yeah. are missing out. And I'm yeah, they're thinking of... Here because I've thinking, sat there and I've thinking, okay. disobeying, they're not, they're disobeying the voice of God because of what people will think. And the fear of man, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, brings a snare, but whoever... Trust in the Lord shall be safe. It can create overspending and indebtedness. I'm telling you, if you watch TV, the commercials are, are an attempt many times to get you to compare your car to the car that's available, your phone service to the phone service that is available. 
your laundry uh, soap to this new laundry soap. You know, I mean, I don't want to just throw rocks at the advertising industry because that's people's livelihood. But some of it gets you to compare yourself. It plays into this weakness that we have to get us to... Uh, yeah. Every product, every product I can think of that you watch within a year, we've improved it. It's better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that brings us to this point. Comparing ourselves with others can trap us in mediocrity. In other words, two things. I'm great, and you don't grow. Or I'm terrible, and you just give up. Mike Tyson said, I know I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm not Charles Manson either. <laughs> so comparing himself, he's just going to be Mike, Man- Mike Tyson. He's not going to improve because he's not a Charles Manson, but he's not Mother Teresa either. That's unreachable. You've so. got to think good of yourself because without that, I mean, you'll be miserable. Yeah. Some, some people, because we don't think good of ourselves. Yeah, but when we get to the point where we realize God has given, as you just said, gifts within all of us. Yeah. There's no point in that's good. comparing because. That's good. Absolutely right. Because if we try to compare ourselves with other people, we're going to get in a funk. But when we go back to the Lord and He says to us. Your righteousness comes from me. I'm the light that you're that you're trying to get to. Um, yes, you're 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 good, but you're good because you're you're created by me, and part of me is in there. Amen. Okay. You're abiding uh, in the That's good. And, and so that that's where you can quit comparing because net, Jesus is always telling us. I mean, constantly telling us, you're good enough for me. That's all that so, matters. Yeah. So if Paul had compared himself to others, he'd have lashed out and become mean, or he'd give up and not even written that letter. But it was all about Christ. Right. right. Pastor, we saw this illustration, and I've never forgotten it, but a lot of people, just that example, this is what brought it back to my, my brain, is that you know Mike Tyson says, I'm, I'm not Mother Teresa but I'm not Charles Manson. <laughs> but if you look, if you look at it this way, pass it around. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll pass Sorry. it back. We're old. We have this, this top line is God. Here's Mother Teresa. Here's me. And here's the evil person. We're not, none of us, none of us have reached God. We need, we need all levels. Yeah, I'm trying to get to God. I'm trying to get to God. Mother Teresa hasn't made it. The common denominator is that Jesus is the common denominator of no matter how good we are, how good. I'm not saying that God is present at all levels. If we're saying, well, I can't be as good as this person, but I'm better than that person. Well, the reality is none of us are good enough. Yeah. yeah. If, uh, and the amazing thing about, is when we focus on Jesus, yeah. we find out who we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's think of light bulbs. One of us may be 25 watts. One may be 50 watts. One may even excel to be a 200-watt bulb. 
But compare light bulbs to the sun. (laughs) Compare us to God. Uh, All our superiority is puny and meaningless. Um, It makes no sense to compare ourselves with others because we're more alike than we are different. And if we so don't keep our eye on him, we can fall in two seconds. Mm-hmm. All of us. Yeah. Now, here's something. Bill Gates got carried away on bragging about the computer industry and their great deals began to compare computers to autos, automobiles. And at an expo, Microsoft, Bill Gates, the billionaire, the richest man in the world, compared the computer industry with the auto industry and said, if General Motors had kept up with technology like the computer industry has, we would all be driving $25 cars that got 1,000 miles to the gallon. Yeah. <laughs> General Motors found this out, and they issued this statement. Yes, but would the public want their cars to crash twice a day? So I guess the bottom line, I want you to know that everybody wrestles with comparing, and it's not good. If you come out on top, that ain't good. If you come out on the bottom, that ain't good, and it traps us. So the keys to freedom are humbling ourselves before God, finding our place in his body, and taking up our cross for him. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-seven says, to seek one's own glory is not glory. Yeah, so you compare yourself to others and you want to be as good as that person. If you finally make it, it's still not glorious. Because uh, in light of the glory of God, we're all pretty puny. Uh, we're and without Him, we are nothing. Absolutely. Whether we have it all or we have nothing. Mm. Either end of the spectrum. Mm. And time's getting pretty short, so we better mm. do what we got to do. That's yeah, good. Only Had the first yeah, yeah. So, in humbling ourselves before God is telling Him, Lord, I see I have a problem with comparing myself. Or I'm comparing myself again. Don't beat yourself up. Just go to Him and say, Lord, here I am again with this thing. Help me to overcome this. Forgive me. And begin to make a list of things to be thankful for, of blessings that He's given you. Uh, of the good things, the good things about your kids. You begin to make a list. I mean, Paul kind of did that. Hey, uh, guys, I planted this church. <laughs> I'm not out in left field somewhere. I'm not nobody in this thing. Is, you that, know. is, is that one of the reasons why the children of Israel made it a, a point wherever they went to build an altar? To remember. To remember so that they would not compare that they wouldn't forget. In other words, they built, it's not, the Bible says it's still there to this day. Well, it isn't really there to this day. It was there to the day of the writing. But like they built an altar in the middle of this, the Jericho River that eventually reflooded. They built, they put stones, or they took them out. They, they took, took them out. No, they put stones there and out. They did both. Yeah. 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 And those they stones are still there somewhere. Yeah. Unless somebody grabbed but, them I and mean, put they, them in there. There's, 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 Probably their well, comparing makes us forget. Yeah. yeah, they had short memories. Yeah, comparing just makes us forget. Yes. And the other thing, um, speaking of your altars, is all their altars were made with unhewn stones so that they could not take 
credit mm -hmm. for having done any work on wow. the rock wow. for the presentation to the to the sacrifice the rock. Wow. God took two statues and set them both side of side and stared each other. But both of them knew that no matter how beautiful they were, there was always somebody on the other side of the world that was just as beautiful. <laughs> James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. You feel down? You're already down? Go ahead and get down then. Lord, here I am. I need some help. Um, resist pride by admitting that you got it. Um, but I think it's good. I to this day, I'll never, and I told the singles pastor at Gateway. I said I'll, I'll never forget. I can I can point. I won't tell you where, but I can point to a place in this church where I had a divine encounter one one Monday night at singles group, just crying out to God about a situation. And I'll, I'll probably never forget that. I don't think I've ever sat there to this day in the church, but where I went. And I said, and that's, I think that's something good for all of us to remember, to find, to remember whether it's in a church here at Generations or if you're at a women's meeting or a youth camp, but wherever, remember where those divine encounters took place. Yeah. Side of the road, if you got a speeding ticket mm -hmm. and you get pulled over, that's an altar of, of remembrance where, God, you were good, but you're sparing me from running red lights or going too fast, where I'm going to cause harm to somebody else, and you're, you're, and that really keeps us from. That's good. I think that's a fourth key: making memorials to the good things. Write them down in your bulletin, in your bulletin, in your Bible, in your journal. Write your bulletin, keep your bulletin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that would be humble yourself, remembering. So then, number three would be finding my place. In his body. Just listen to this. Maybe you've heard this verse before, but listen to it in light of this whole thing about comparison. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 12, says, As the body, speaking of our human bodies, comparing it to Christ's body, the church, as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. All right, the Holy Spirit, who opened our eyes to the reality of Jesus, brought us to a place of believing in Him. That process is baptizing us in the body of Christ. That's not, that's not water, that's the body of Christ, so that's the church. The Spirit puts us in the church by showing us Jesus. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, ethnicity or income levels, we're all put in the body by the Spirit. And have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Comparing ourselves does this. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't be... So-and-so must not be a Christian or something or important. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one body, where would the body be? If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. 
And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, we all suffer. Smash your thumb. Yeah, yeah. If we're all the same, then all of us are unnecessary. We're all unique. We have different fingerprints, different eye prints, different DNA, different uh, personalities, unique. I was just reading that today, and I, I, I can't read that without reading about the gifts of the Spirit, which are before that. Right. Because the two seem to go together. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's like, I'd love to have all the spirits, and I haven't, but mm-hmm. I continue to pray for it. Yeah, yeah, I'll give them all, but he's going, you know, you can either have this one or that one, but it's the same spirit, well, but as operate, I choose, you can operate in all yes, of them at different I'll times. give you, yeah, as you're in need of them at the proper time, but coming from the same spirit. I think it just ties to me with the the body as being, yeah, we Mm -hmm. each have a role to place. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, if we each had one of the spirits, man, what an awesome force we'd be. You know, we could clear out hospitals. We could, you know, because all our gifts combined, we'd have them all, you know. Yeah, it's it's as the Spirit wills. Uh, Romans 12 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. So don't think more highly, but don't think more lowly either. Think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, for we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophesy, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So everything we're to do, we're to do with a sense of joy and faith and comparing just tries to smoke that, stifle it, stifle it. So, humbling ourselves before God, keeping track of all of our blessings, making memorials, altars, writing them down, finding our place in his body, and taking up our cross to follow him. Jesus said it in Matthew 16, Anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Many people we may see as winners are actually losers because they're not carrying the cross that Christ has for them. 
So what cross does Christ have for you? Well, if he's blessed you with children, obviously that is part of your calling. If he's blessed you with singleness and you're never going to get married, that is part of your calling. A person who's single for life is able to devote their whole life to the things of God without the distraction of keeping another human being happy. Anyway, So, keys to freedom. Humble ourselves before God when we see this as an issue. Um, keep track of the things to be thankful for. You know, even the speeding ticket. Thank God I didn't kill anybody that day. <laughs> thank God for the thank God for the warning ticket I got that day. <laughs> Finding our place in His body. What does He call me to do today? You know, what gift does He want to exercise through me today? And, uh, and and this is an issue for pastors as much as it is for anybody. It's an issue for us all. We're going to wrap this up. I would like to just go around the room. Anybody have any closing comments about walking in victory when it comes to comparison? I was just going to say I think that um, once we truly are aware of who we are in Christ, it wouldn't be an issue. I think if it's still an issue, we're not um, fully aware of who we are. He says we are. That's good. That's good. Claire? I agree with everything you say, but I have to be honest and be repentant and say that it is still a problem for me. Oh, it is for me too. It is still a problem that I'm always feeling that somehow I don't measure up. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I've got to go back to his feet and say, why do I do this? I know who you are. I know who you say I am, who I am. And and why do I do this? Why do I do this? What what need does this meet for me? Mm-hmm. And um, it's a process. He's going to get me there. I'm it sure. It's a process. It's yeah. funny because as I'm growing older, mm-hmm. the less I care about what the next <laughs> guy thinks about me. <laughs> I'm old. I don't care. <laughs> I'm doing well, you're getting want, older. Buddy. That's why old people are so blunt. They are tired yeah, of comparing we'll themselves. Do it. That's good. That's good. We'll, we'll wear what we want to. Right. We're we're gonna yeah. Just All right. Anybody else? Before I turn off the recorder. Yes. I like to uh, back to realizing that God calls me His best friend. So <laughs> what do I got to prove to anybody? That's good. That's good. I'm a friend of God.